If I was sure Billy was going to be there, I'd submit his name for... Uh... <laughs> uh. Well, we do, and it is a, this is much, such a much brighter day than last Sunday when we talked about the reality of, of hell. This is, uh, this is just a, a j- more joyous Sunday. And I do want to uh, call attention to a special guest. Uh, I know that you don't get to do this like I do, but I know sometimes you bring guests and you would like to introduce them. But since I have this privilege, I'm going to take advantage of it. Um, she was a little late, but uh, my wife, Carrie, rolled in in her wheelchair back there, and I'm glad to see uh, her. She was in Sunday school, and um, I just feel like I preach better when she's here, and I know I preach longer when she's here, so I'm looking forward to uh, the rest of the morning. Um, Carrie and I did go a few weeks ago with some of our young adults out to the Space and Rocket Center's planetarium, and, um, and it's a spectacular experience. That vista, that view of of the universe, that view of our planet, of our galaxy, and galaxies beyond our galaxy, that, that view, those views are stunning. Remind me of uh, the words that Dr. Warner Von Braun asked to be placed on his tombstone, and they are there, Psalm 96.1, which reads, The heavens declare the glory of God. David Weigel is the director of the planetarium, and he was taking us on a tour uh, of the universe, and, and because it's interactive, he can go, we can fly you wherever you want to fly. If you want to fly to Mars, you can fly to Mars. If you want to fly to Saturn, you can fly to Saturn. And so we had, we had flown around, and he had shown us our galaxy, and then he backed off so that uh, you could see uh, the entirety of our galaxy, and then dozens and dozens and maybe more galaxies beyond our own. And of course, that, that, that domed um, screen is showing all this splendor. And because it's an interactive program, I asked David, I said, David, uh, could you show us where heaven is? Of course, he could not. We don't know where heaven is. The greatest theological minds wrestle with the where and the what of heaven. There are lots of wonderful biblical scholars who believe that God is going to renew, restore this planet, that God will take his place among us, that the lion will lie, lion will lie down in the lamb with the lamb here. There are in, in Romans 8 and in Revelation 20 and 21, there are these images of the, the merging of, of heaven and earth, of the, of the divine and the human coming together and this place being restored. There are others, of course, who believe that heaven is in a, a galaxy far, far away, in a, in a universe beyond our universe, a parallel universe, if you will, something that we simply cannot see, separated perhaps from this universe only by a thin veil, but a, another universe entirely. We, we, we can't speak with any certainty about the, um, the whereabouts of heaven. We, we can't speak with certainty about the wonders of heaven. Even images like streets of gold and gates of pearl, I believe, are God-given 
metaphors, symbols to speak of that which is unspeakable, to describe that which is indescribable, to help us imagine that which is unimaginable. The Bible does not speak precisely when it speaks of the location of heaven. The Bible does not speak definitively when it speaks of the, the design of heaven. But the Bible speaks with powerful certainty when it speaks of the reality of heaven. And those words resonate deep in our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has set eternity in the human heart. Just as he designed you to want to love and to be loved, just like God designed you with a desire to eat when it's time to eat, a desire to sleep when it's time to sleep, just like you have a, a longing to be at the beach or the mountains, whichever is your happy place. God has designed us, instilled within us, a longing for eternity. And from time to time, he whispers to us, this world, this which you can see, even that which you can see at the planetarium, is not all there is. And so I want to take the text that Billy read for us a few moments ago and talk, just to unpack those, that text a little bit to talk about heaven from the vantage point of this, this text. And we'll use uh, three words. We'll, we'll, we're going to talk about courage, and we're going to talk about readiness, and we're going to talk about home. First, readiness. The NIV reads, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. But that word translated prefer means something like willing or content. In the Holman translation, it reads, we are confident and satisfied to be out of the body and present with the Lord. When, in the message, it reads, when the time comes, we'll be plenty ready. Paul here speaks of a willingness, of a readiness to go, a contentment about going. It's not like an aching to go. But it is a readiness to go. You know the old, and it's a bad joke, but you know the old joke about the fire evangelist in the, in the revival uh, who said at a high moment in his sermon, is everybody ready to go to heaven? Stand up. And everybody stood up except one guy. And the evangelist pointed him out, good sir, uh, do you not want to go to heaven? And you know the rest of it. He said, yeah, I thought you were getting up a a trip to leave tonight. And so, you know, we don't want to go tonight, and that's understandable. But there ought to be within us a willingness, a contentment, a, a readiness to go. Fanny Flagg is known for fried green tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe, but she's got some other works too. I, I love her novel, Welcome to the World, Baby Girl. The heroine in the story, Dina Nordstrom, a wonderful young lady, becomes deathly ill and the townspeople are praying for Dina. But the one that they think has the direct connection to heaven, everybody in town thinks, it's Aunt Elner. And Aunt Elner is praying for Dina. She says, please don't take her now, Lord. She's just getting started. 
And that poor little thing has had so many hard knocks. And then Aunt Elner prayed, if you need a family member, just go ahead and take me. I'd be tickled to death to see you. And I don't have a thing planned except putting up some preserves. Other than that, I'm as free as a bird to come on up. See, now that's what this text is talking about. Not a willingness to get on the train tonight, or not a, not a desire, not, a, not a, an urgency about getting on the train tonight, but a willingness, a, a confidence, a, a readiness. And so this would be a good time probably to pause and ask deep inside you, do you have that readiness, that contentment, that willingness? I hope you love life here, but is there a contentment deep inside you, a readiness for the world beyond this one. Readiness, second, uh, courage. The NIV reads, we are confident to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. That word confident can also be translated courage or assurance. It's a courage, it's, it's an assurance that comes with knowing that this is not all that is. Our culture is almost singularly focused on this world. Now, people my age and younger we tend to focus solely on, on our life here. But on generations, with generations older than mine, tended to think more about heaven. Lots of us grew up in, in churches, in country churches, where we sang a lot of old gospel songs, half of which were about heaven. For some of us, you know, the highlight was going to a quartet singing. Three-fourths of their songs were about heaven. There was a day when life was harder, quite frankly, and people thought more about the life beyond this one. But now things have gotten kind of easy, or at least easier. And we focus more on, almost solely, on this world. I would suggest that's one reason for our growing anxiety, our growing despondency, even our growing hopelessness. John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress, that, that allegory, that proverb, if you will, or, or that parable, if you will, about the life of a man named Christian who represents all of us who are Christians on his journey, and he is headed to the celestial city. He is headed to heaven. But along the way, life goes bad several times. He, gets, he, he falls into the valley of humiliation. He gets stuck in the swamp of despondency. He gets locked up behind the bars of Doubting Castle. Life goes badly, often for Christian. But somebody asked him, how do you keep going? And he answered, when I think of where I am going, that will do it. There's great confidence and assurance in knowing that this is not all that is. Albert Rabito wrote a powerful book about, the secret, about slaves titled The Secret Lives of Slaves. He talked about how they would steal away in the middle of the night and they would sing and they would worship and pray. And he said one of the recurring slogans of their prayers was, thank God I will not be here always. There is, there is hope. Not escapism, but real hope in knowing that this world is not all that is. Readiness, courage. And the third word from, from our text this morning is home. 
To be away from the body, Paul wrote, is to be at home with the Lord. Paul wrote, when we die, we go home. One of, one of the most moving, beautiful images of heaven is the image of home. When I lived in Venezuela a long time ago, I loved my life down there in a little, little town called Mene Grande. I worked at a boy's home, but there were no Americans around, and, and, and it, it, was an, it took an adjustment, required an adjustment. And I looked forward to the weekends, because on the weekends I would drive north up to Ciudad Ojeda, and there I would stay with the Clements, this missionary family. And I would hear English all weekend. And we'd eat American food. And on Sunday afternoons, we'd listen to the stereo, a record player. This was a long time ago. And my, we'd listen to American music. And my favorite, I still remember Eddie Arnold. We had an Eddie Arnold album. And I can still hear him singing, Welcome to My World. I loved Ciudad Ojeda. It was, it was a taste of home, but it was not home. And then Carrie came down and we got engaged. And she left coming back to the States just about this time of year to get ready for the wedding. And I'd still go to Ciudad Ojeda and we'd still eat American food and I'd hear English. And, and I'd listen to Eddie Arnold sing and I'd get a taste of home, but it still wasn't home. And my heart longed for home. When we lived in Nigeria, we... We lived next door in Agbomashaw on the campus of the seminary, next to the Francis Jones guest house, different Francis Jones, retired missionary. And um, we'd go over there on Sundays. The missionaries would come, and we'd eat American food, and we'd catch up on news from home, and it was like a taste from home. And then we'd celebrate holidays over there from Halloween to Fourth of July to Thanksgiving to Christmas. And we'd get together again and we'd catch up on news from home and we'd eat American food. When we first moved there for the first couple of years, we didn't have a telephone in our house. The only telephone was over there at that Francis Jones guest house. So if people wanted to call us, they'd call the Francis Jones house. And Betty Sled, who is a retired missionary, lives in Decatur, Hi, Betty. If She always watches us on Sunday morning. So, hey, Betty. So she would come outside, and she'd ring a bell. We always had the windows up. Didn't have air conditioning. We'd always we'd hear the bell through the windows, and Carrie or I would run across through the mangoes. We had a mango grove in our, in our yard. We'd run across through the mangoes uh, to the Francis Jones guest house, and we'd take that call. That was, those were tastes of home. But they weren't home. When we get together, we, not always maybe, but often experience little tastes of home. A song that means a great deal to you. A text that means a great deal to you. Our music, our, our prayers together. Recently, John Lemons did a, a series, a, a, pod, a podcast called Holy Ghost Encounters or something like that. He talked about how those, those unique times in our lives when they're, they're, they're often rare, but when God seems so palpably present. And those are tastes, those are tastes of heaven. But they are only foretastes, to quote Fanny Crosby, of glory divine. They are not, we are not yet home. And every once in a while, God will whisper to you, you're not home yet. We were made for another world.
We're just not home yet. John 14, 2, the words of Jesus, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's the King James Version we grew up learning. In my Father's house are many mansions. But every other translation I know says, In my Father's house are many rooms. And that to me is a whole heap better than mansions. Because here's the story behind that. I was in Chorazin. You might remember last week I talked about Capernaum, Bethsaida, and Chorazin, kind of a Tri-Cities area where, near where Jesus spent a lot of his life. He adopted Capernaum as his hometown. Chorazin is not far. I was there 10 years ago, and they showed us the unearthed ruins of houses, and they explained this verse. In my Father's house are many rooms. It was a patriarchal society, so the Father's house, the house was called the Father's house. Now here, uh, today, it's not so much that. Like, for example, uh, our, our, our grandkids call uh, Carrie E.C. and call me Papa C. And a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to our four-year-old uh, grandson, Beckett, uh, on FaceTime. And he said, Papa C., do you still live at E.C.'s house? Yeah, I still live at E.C.'s house. So to him, this is E.C.'s house. But in those days, it was the father's house. And what would happen is when the boys would grow up and get married, they just add another room onto the house so everybody could be together. In my father's house are many rooms. We just add, every time somebody comes into the family, we just add another room. That to me is much more encouraging than a mansion. A mansion can be cold, but this is home. When Carrie and I moved to Huntsville, I wanted to live downtown, but we have kids in other states and grandkids, and we wanted a place where at least every once in a while we could all be under the same roof. This time next week, they're gonna, they'll all be headed this way for Thanksgiving. So we had to move way over the mountain over there where we could afford a house where everybody, where, where, where in the Father's house or really E.C.'s house, there are many rooms. I'm unapologetically sentimental about, about heaven as home. To me, that's, that's better than a mansion over the hilltop. Some of you remember that old gospel song? It's better than streets of gold and gates of pearl. Our hearts long for home, and we're not home yet. Courage readiness home. There should, there's, a, there's an assurance that comes from knowing we are we're headed home. There's a, there should be a, a readiness, a deep sense of readiness and willingness for whenever that time comes. And we look forward not just to a beautiful place. We look forward to home. This week we celebrated Veterans Day. So let me tell you a story that T.T. Uh, Martin told years ago in a sermon on heaven. He said there was, a, after a bloody battle on that battlefield, a nurse was tending to the wounds of a soldier hurt in battle. As she tended to his wounds, she heard another soldier call out, Here! Here! So she hurried over to the other soldier thinking that he might be hurt worse than the original soldier. And, but when she got there, he said, he said to her, I'm, there's nothing to do. So she went back to the 
first soldier and tended to his wounds. And then again the second time, the soldier over there called out, here, here. So she hurried back over to him. And for the second time, he said there was nothing she could do for him. She went back to the original guy. She's dressing his wounds. When for the third time, the soldier over there called out, here, here, for the third time. She's getting exasperated now. What can I do? Nothing. Then why do you keep calling here? Oh, he said, they're calling roll in heaven. And I'm answering to my name. She shook her head, turned to go back to the original soldier for whom she was caring, but she turned back just in time to hear this soldier whisper now, here, here. And all was still, and he was gone. And from a day when people thought more about heaven than we do today, came these words. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there let us labor for the Master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of all His wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the role is called up yonder, because my hope is in Jesus and not in my own goodness. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I hope you are ready. You get an